Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Bing Crosby, Al Jolson, Lowell Thomas, Fred Allen, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy, and our special in-person guest, Dr. Barry Brooks. We have a special guest on the golden days of radio. As a matter of fact, uh, he's a collector of radio shows, one of the most renowned collectors in the United States. Dr. Barry Brooks, welcome to the program. Hi, Frank. I'm glad to be here. You have uh, a tremendous collection of radio shows. Uh, how, did, how did you start uh, the collection? Well, when I was young, I used to listen to the radio a lot, and I enjoyed listening to the various programs. And in recent years, I found that some programs were available. I started collecting, and I've amassed quite a large collection in the past several years. How many programs do you have? Well, I have uh, well over 3,000 different programs, and I'm continually getting more shows in every week, and it's hard to keep a, a count on them. There's uh, well over 3,000 that, that I can be sure of. Well, that makes you an authority on radio, I would say. And as an authority, what do you think the, the most famous radio show that was ever on the air uh, was? Well, I think everyone would agree that it would be uh, the Mercury Theater Halloween show of 1938, War oh, the of the Orson Worlds. Show. Right. Radio shows during the early days were live, uh, which meant that uh, the actors would go into the studio, uh, they'd rehearse their programs, and then when the red light came on, they were on the air and people would hear them coast to coast. And uh, during those days, if they made a mistake, they couldn't edit a tape or stop and do it over. The mistake was there uh, for all time. And uh, I know in your collection you have uh, a few of these that, uh, that are interesting. That's right. And uh, this, this, of course, brings to mind the fact that the reason that we're able to collect radio shows today are that, that they were transcribed put on 16-inch records, which were saved through the years by uh, certain people, and that's how we have these shows preserved today. And once something is put on record, it's, it's there permanently. Mm -hmm. So these errors that were made uh, are here for us to, to listen to. Well, now, Lowell Thomas, uh, who did a newscast for about 30 years on, on CBS, was a great one for, for making errors on his newscast. Do you want to explain what he does, what he did? Well, he would be reading the news, and there would be some item in the news that would uh, strike his fancy, or possibly he might make a mistake on a word and twist something around, and it struck him funny. And as staid a person as he was, uh, he began to laugh, and he couldn't stop. And his uh, announcer would join with him, and he would go into hysterics, and it would last for probably usually till the end of the program, and even as, uh, during the sign-off, they would be uh, giggling and laughing hysterically together. And that was live, coast to coast, for, for millions of listeners to hear. And I think what we can do is resurrect one of those right now from your library. Right. So here's Lowell Thomas, the, the happy, laughing Lowell Thomas. 
And the little girl deserves to know her mother. So says Alice, and I think her mother deserves to know her. <laughs> well, Alice, Alice also is thinking of her husband. <laughs> Phil Harris, the band leader. <laughs> she explains that working so hard all day in the film studio, she is sometimes not in such perfectly good humor. <laughs> And she, she snaps about me, <laughs> which is all wrong, <laughs> which I say, you're all for Alice. <laughs> I'll leave the rest of it to you. <laughs> now Lowell Thomas says, so long until tomorrow. <laughs> this program came to you from New York. That's a funny bit. And uh, I, I think he could be a comedian as, as well as be a newscaster. Another, um, another performer uh, that from time to time would make errors on his, uh, on his show uh, was Bing Crosby, isn't that right? That's right. He very often, uh, he had sort of an easygoing style that was copied uh, in a great degree by Dean Martin. And, of course, Perry Como had an easygoing style. But Bing Crosby did a lot of ad-libbing. And he also made uh, quite a few mistakes in what he said and in the lyrics of his songs. And very often uh, he would start the song off-key or he would uh, begin between beats. And he thought nothing of just stopping the entire proceedings and making a big joke of it uh, and then starting again. And his audience loved this. They, in fact, they looked forward to it. Well, I'm looking forward to it right now. Let's play one of those excerpts. Well, break it up, children. Time's a-wasting. And the little red hand on the clock goes round and round. Where are we going to go from here, Pappy? Well, dig me something solid, son, and dig it deep. Like a new one or you like an old one? Well, let's wrap it up and put it to bed with a new one. I'm your man, something new with a touch, just a very light touch of the French romance. Symphony, hmm? Symphony. Music from above Music from above How does it start? Say, Paul, you know we got a bad start here. I was looking at Johnny Edwards, trying to make a little character with her, and I... I forgot to start. Got it. Symphony Symphony of love Music from above, how does it start? And here's Bing with Al Jolson, lousing up one of their 1201 commercials. But along about here in the show, we get a commercial. Why, oh. Bing, why, why, don't we, uh, why don't we sing that old commercial? Well, I'm willing to take a chance on it if you are. Well, let's go, let's go. Can we have a little music, John Scott? You'll make friends of every stranger With a record changer From the table size To those that weigh a ton Or to make your life ecstatic We can, can't be too emphatic Get that brand new automatic 1201 Take it Yes, for jazz or operatic In a ballroom or an attic Get the simple but dramatic 1201 And remember, folks F is for fashion, fidelity, or fame. F is for fabulous, as you know. Oh, man, we're cooked. We're cooked, Al. 
Of every stranger with a trigger changer from the table size to those that weigh a ton. Or to make your life ecstatic, and we can't be too emphatic to get that brand new automatic 1201. Yes, yes, for jazz or operatic. We're going in an attic. Yes. <laughs> Change where else? Get us in the morning. Get the simple but dramatic. Take 1201. In most radio books and uh, radio articles, we always hear about a program that Fred Allen did years ago. I think it was uh, Town Hall uh, Tonight. Yes, it was uh, the Town Hall Tonight show. It was an hour program. This was before most of the hour programs were converted into 30-minute shows. So on the hour programs, they had to have a number of guests, and uh, they usually had uh, one of them was some unusual person that no one had ever heard of, but he either had an unusual hobby or an unusual job. And one of these was a, an eagle trainer. This was on the Fred Allen Show. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and one particular night, they had uh, a trained eagle, and... Fred Allen was interviewing the trainer and the eagle was there in the studio and the eagle was kept blindfolded to uh, so as not to frighten him by the lights and all of the commotion of the studio audience so at one point uh, they took the blindfold off the eagle got frightened and he flew up uh, near the ceiling onto the beams and the uh, lights that they had up there and they couldn't get him down and this uh, created such a commotion and confusion with the audience and with the show it, it stopped the whole show and broke everybody up broke including everybody Fred up. Allen and the audience and everyone right w when was this what year this was in uh, 1940 Frank as a matter of fact it was on March 20th 1940 uh-huh do you do you have that excerpt with you yes I do well let's play that right now now, what about our guest? Our guest tonight is the world's foremost authority on eagles. An eagle authority? Well, wherever did you bump into an eagle expert? Well, I heard him on Hobby Lobby last Sunday, so I invited him over. Mr. Allen, meet Captain Charles Knight. Well, good, <laughs> good evening, uh, Captain Knight. Greedy Fred. Well, this is uh, rather a surprise, Captain Knight. <laughs> I thought uh, if he raises me one, I'll raise him some. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't know that you were... <laughs> I didn't know that you were bringing your eagle with you tonight. Oh, yes, my eagle wanted to meet you, Fred. He did? This is Mr. Ramshaw. Well, good evening. Uh, good evening, Mr. Ramshaw. He, uh... <laughs> Mr. Ramshaw, he doesn't seem to be warming up to me, Captain. No, Mr. Ramshaw doesn't make friends very quickly, but he won't hurt you, I'll give him my word. Your word? If I can get the eagle's word, I'll feel... <laughs> I'll feel a little more secure. 
Mr. Ramshaw is looking around, Captain. He isn't getting hungry by any chance, is he? Oh, I don't think so, Fred. You know, Uncle Jim is pigeon-toed, and... Uh, <laughs> if Mr. Ramshaw... What are you doing with those uptown boots on, Uncle Jim? Did you see those... <laughs> Sunday and Muncie, Indiana shoes on <laughs> Uncle Jim is... <laughs> Uncle Jim is... <laughs> I know, an Army and Navy store closing out. Jackson. <laughs> uh, Uncle Jim is pigeon-toed now, and if Mr. Ramshaw is nearsighted, he's apt to defoot Uncle James when we're not looking. Oh, no, the bird's just getting a bit restless, that's all. Well, I hope it isn't something he expects to eat. <laughs> he certainly is well-behaved for so savage a fowl. You, uh, how were you ever able to tame him, Captain? Well, fortunately, I got him when he was quite young. Still, the actual training was a very slow and tedious process. And now that Mr. Ramshaw has attained his majority, don't you ever have any trouble uh, handling him? Well, occasionally he does get a bit awkward. He'll take a nip at me or dig into me with his claws. Oh, is that why you wear that thick glove to protect your hand and arm when Mr. Ramshaw goes to town? Yes, Fred. Goes out stepping. <laughs> but when the old boy's in a tantrum, he's apt to pinch me right through the glove. Bite the hands that uh, the hand that needs him. <laughs> well, what does a community broken eagle eat, Captain? All different meats, as a rule. Mr. Ramshaw's favourites are steak and beef. Good. I thought you might throw him an acquaintance occasionally. <laughs> it's been nice of you, Captain, to stop off on your lecture tour and bring Mr. Ramshaw in tonight. Now, before you go, I wonder if you could have Mr. Ramshaw give us a sample of his flying prowess. Oh, yes, I think perhaps he might enjoy a short flight around the stage here. Now, stand back, Fred. You bet. <laughs> Are you ready, Ramshaw? Go! Excellent. <laughs> Good night, Fred. A perfect three-claw landing. I'm surprised that Ramshaw didn't land on Van Steeden's bandstand. Any bird ought to go for the corn in Van Steeden's music. Well, thanks a lot, Captain. Good night, Fred. Good night, and thank you a lot, Captain Charles Knight. The, uh, the eagle just, uh, I didn't know the eagle was cross-eyed. He was flying for that, you see. How are you going to get him down, Captain? <laughs> Looks as though he might go with the lease in here after that. <laughs> All right, you get him down the back way, will you? All right, thanks. Mr. Ramshaw is up there, but with his back turned to the program, I guess he's seen all that interests him. Miss Wynn Murray, I'll keep my eye on the eagle wing. You just, you can take care of the singing. Miss Wynn Murray is... <laughs> this is apt to be a half-hour program tonight. All we need is Mr. Ramshaw to uh, make his own station break, and we'll make it. <laughs> <one. laughs> well, Fred Allen was a funny man, and I think uh, most people will agree he was one of the, the greatest ad-libbers, certainly one of the greatest uh, writers of our time. And uh, I don't think I've ever heard a Fred Allen show uh, where he didn't ad-lib at least one line. Right. Uh, you, in, in your collection of over 3,000 radio shows, you must have some favorite bits that you like. Yes, I do. Uh, there are 
quite a few in almost any category you can name. Well, let's let's talk about comedy. Well, in comedy, uh, one that I've enjoyed, and I've heard this a number of times, and every time I hear it, I have to laugh out loud while I'm listening to it. Uh, it's Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy uh, doing a bit with Ellen Drew. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, this is, I would call this one of their classic comedy bits. And certainly one of your uh, classic uh, bits in your collection. Right. All right, we'll play that in just a minute. But first, I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Barry Brooks, for joining me on the Golden Days of Radio. It's been a pleasure, Frank. And I'd like to have you come back sometime and bring some more of your programs for uh, the listeners around the world to hear. I look forward to that. Thank you for joining me. And now, here's... Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. What was that, Charlie? Uh, oh, nothing, nothing, Mr. Bergen, nothing. I see. I was just telling Miss Drew how nice that train you made for me used to be. What? It was, it is, I don't know. <laughs> Charlie, you know I built a perfect scale model of a regular locomotive. Yes, you did. You must have put a lot of time into it. Yes, and being steam-driven and very expensive, I, I don't let Charlie play with it, of course, unless I'm home. Do I, Charlie? Uh, hmm? Oh, uh, no, no, that's right, no. No, I shouldn't have, should I? <laughs> shouldn't have? Well, what, what I mean is, well, there, there was a... Uh, Charlie. Yes? Charlie, don't tell me anything has happened to that train. No? No. Why not? <laughs> You'll find out anyway. Yeah. Very well, what happened? Well, it, uh, it ran off the track and scuttled itself. <laughs> Charlie, don't tell me that you have wrecked that train. Well, it's like this. You see, old man Dugan, you know, came over to the house. He did? Yes. Uh-oh. You ain't kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he brought Skinny Dugan with him. He did? Yes. I see him. That's a good place for another uh-oh. Yes, I know. <laughs> It is no good if I ever had it. You see, Skinny has an electric train. Ah, that's fine. Yes. So he said, uh, so he said, you know, he said, uh, casual like, you know? Yeah. He says, let's race them, see? Yeah. That's what he said. Was his idea. Yes. Steam versus electricity, see? Yes. <laughs> so, of course, I couldn't say no. Why couldn't you? Well, I'd already said yes. Oh, I... <laughs> You had no right to steam up that engine without my permission. Oh. Now, whatever happened from now on is your fault. Oh, that's right. Sure, sure. Everything is my fault. It's always my fault. Have you noticed that? It usually is. Yeah. I suppose it's my fault that Skinny's train hit the cat. Oh. Oh, I see. <laughs> His train hit the cat. The cat on the tracks? No. No. <laughs> No, the, the cat was hiding in the closet. <laughs> and the train opened the door and sneaked in. <laughs> we'll go on now. I wish you could have seen that cat, though. I wish you could. <laughs> it's the funniest thing, you know. You know, it sat on the third rail. Oh, I see. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Did it blow out a fuse? No, but it blew out the cat. <laughs> it's a 
sure look funny, sparks coming out of their whiskers. No, no. <laughs> well, did the engine hurt the cat? I don't know. I really don't know. I know she doesn't meow anymore. <laughs> I see. Every time she comes to a crossing, she whistles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the poor thing is probably suffering from shock. Yes, I think so. Now, suppose you start from the beginning and tell me just exactly what happened. Yes, sir. What do you want to hear first? The collision or the explosion? Well, now, wait a <laughs> Explosion. Yes. There is no reason for an explosion if you follow the instructions. Yeah, but we don't necessarily do that. No, I don't. <laughs> Everything was all right until old man Dugan said you shouldn't use wood alcohol in the boiler. Well, it was built to run on wood alcohol. Well, that's your story, yes. But Dugan says that stuff ain't fit for a man or engine. He does. I suppose he had a better suggestion. Well, he had some better stuff. He did. <laughs> Dugan gave, uh, gave us some uh, aged into wood. Uh, he called it uh, Kentucky Hummingbird. I see. Yeah. Applejack. Yeah. Well, that doesn't sound like it's right to me to put that in the engine. No. As soon as we lit a match to it, the engine whistled twice and headed for the bathroom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was on a toot. Yeah. <laughs> What happened after that, I shall never know. <laughs> Finally, we got it cornered and put it back on the track. Well, and then you started the race. Yeah. They're off. Woo-hoo! Yeah. And then, bang! There, yeah. The trains ran smack into each other right in the middle of the living room. Uh-oh. Not in my living room. And why not, pray? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you realize that that floor is covered with a very expensive oriental rug? Yes. Is that so? Yes. Well, just about dusk, our trains went through the Orient. <laughs> Did you damage the rug? Well, we, we singed it a little. Singed it? What do you mean, you singed it? Well, you know, when you go to the barber shop and ask the cut, uh, oh, you wouldn't know about that. <laughs> Is the hole in that rug, is it very noticeable? No, sir, not very. Well, that's good. It doesn't show as much as the water spots. I do. <laughs> water spots? Yeah. And why water spots? Well, the firemen had to use something. Oh. That concludes this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I want to thank my in-person guest, Dr. Barry Brooks, for presenting these great moments from radio's great days. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to tune in next time. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.